Hey y'all, welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank. I'm joined by Kyle. Hey. And we got Joe. Hi, internet. Joe is uh, very old school. He was one of the founding members. And um, we had some good ones back there. Top five dramas. That was a real good one of ours. I think that was Patreon only, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Bring it back. Bring it back. I've been waiting. Yeah, we had to make. I actually was listening to that recently because I just covered, um, I just covered Fargo, Cohen's Brothers Fargo, for one of our yeah. shows, and I was like, "Ooh, that was on my list. That was a good one." But today we're talking about another drama. We're talking about the Batman. Batman. Just came out. Uh, Matt Reeves both wrote and directs. We got Robert Pattinson as our new Batman. Uh, it was it was all around hugely hyped. It's been delayed over and over again. But let's get those immediate reactions out of you guys. Joe, let's start with you. What's your immediate reaction for this movie? It was a lot better than I expected. I went in okay. not seeing anything for it. Uh, literally, you hit me up like, hey, I'm going to go watch Batman on Thursday. I'm like, cool, didn't realize there was a new Batman movie. Let's go. Walked in, movie started. It was the Twilight Kid. I was like, damn, I don't know how this is going to be. And it ended up <laughs> blowing my mind. The Twilight Kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of everybody's concern right there. That, that was it in a nutshell. Uh, blew your mind. Okay, Kyle, let's go with your immediate reaction. Yeah, I went with my friend Robert, formerly of Pushing Buttons. He was one of our founding members, and uh, we had a great time oh, together. Uh, saw it in IMAX, even. And uh, mm-hmm. we were really blown away by the visuals and the audio. But just all around, a, an awesome movie. Had a good time. Yeah. I want to throw down this real quick. Robert, if you happen to listen to this, you are always welcome on any got Geek Freaks or Pushing Buttons or Trek Freaks even or whatever you want. Come on by, man. We'll be happy to have you. Uh as for myself, this is the first time I've been emotionally invested in actual Batman. Like, there's times where they've tempted it, and I was always like, oh, that's cool, this is neat. But this time, I actually was, like, emotionally invested in his relationships, his well-being, everything like that, which was a whole new version of Batman, and I really enjoyed that thrill ride. Um, there are definitely some downsides to this movie, but there were many upsides. I would say one consistent thing I kept thinking throughout the movie was this part, that part, that part all make are all definitely the best version I've ever seen in a Batman movie. Not that the whole movie was better than any other Batman, though. So that's kind of where I went from there. All right, so let's kick things off with the number one question everybody's going to be asking. How did Robert Pattinson do as Batman? Kyle, what do you think he did? How do you think he did compared to other Batman? Compared to other actors, I think Robert Pattinson really nailed the sound and vibe and look of Batman. Like, he was imposing as Batman, I felt like. Like more so than Christian Bale as Batman. In particular, what he did so well was he just had that presence. Like you could tell whenever he was on screen, like he was there, he was vengeance. And it was like, I'm ready for yeah. this. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, we're going to go spoiler free for a little while, then we'll kick in the spoiler field. So those listening, we'll let you know. Um, yeah, he did a really good job of kind of ha- showing anger behind his Batman uh, to a degree that we didn't really have before. And yeah, I really like that. Joe, what did you think about this Batman versus other Batman? Uh, I feel like it's tough because they're like, I mean, obviously each actor that plays Batman or any superhero for the most part tries to, you know, make it their own, which yeah. is respectable. And, you know, I think that's good and fine. I'm I'm still not sure where I feel with uh, Pattinson as Batman. I'm not sure how I, if I liked it or not. I know we talked about it previously, but I did not like him as Bruce Wayne. That's for sure. One hundred percent agree. I could I not stand him when he, yeah, when he was not in, when he was not in the costume. I was like, bro, get off the screen. Like, am I at a yeah. My Chemical Romance concert? Like, what's going on? I just, <laughs> I didn't care for it too much. Um, but his, when he was in the costume, again, I, I agree with Kyle. It wasn't. It was good. I get. It was fine. I just felt like he was there. I don't. I again. I don't. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. But I did not. I for sure hated his Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I would say it's it's probably the worst Bruce Wayne to be really to yeah. be honest with you, but it might be the best Batman in my opinion. And we talked to it was funny because I love when these moments happen. We were just talking to a random two people in the theaters afterwards while we're waiting for a possible post credit. And uh when talking to them, they're like, Well, which is better? Christian Bale. It always comes down to Christian Bale or this Batman. And it was like it's hard because they're totally, totally different. different movies. Yeah. And so uh, I think that's one thing we have to go going forward is like can this one beat Christian Bale Batman in a fight? No. What about Ben Affleck? No, can't beat him either. But he's not trying to. This is year two Batman, yeah. literally. Yeah. So he's not trying to beat that Batman. And I don't even know if we can see this Batman evolving into those Batmans because this one has almost a lot more stakes in the game than the other ones have had in the past. 
it's a little tricky. Yeah. What I again, what I did love too, uh, was that it was compared to the other Batman's, right? Like you said, this was year two. The others were already billion dollar companies invested into, you know, right. all his weapons and whatnot. But I did what I did really like was the fact that he was just a guy in a suit. It wasn't like he was some you know, super crazy superhero, right? You know, it, it felt more real. It felt like he was just yeah. a guy in Gotham City uh, that was, you know, doing his best to help people. And I'll even say that he felt like he's closer to the Bruce Wayne character when when normally we have like a distinct mask and they mention in this film, one is the mask, one is, you know, actually yeah. his real self and the one that's his real self is Batman and Bruce Wayne is the mask. But I felt like these two were a lot closer in that way in the fact that he was still trying to figure out how to divide his life. He wasn't doing it well. We saw that with his almost like teenager attitude towards Alfred, like you're not my real dad kind of thing. We kind of got that vibe, I think. And I think he develops it later on and he realizes that him and Alfred are a team, not necessarily, you know, he's still figuring that out. It's early Batman for those. And that part, while understanding that took a second, but before that it was like, I don't like that you're treating Alfred this way. I think for the most part, this movie, what it does really well is it sets a basis for like realism, which we don't really yeah. see with Batman. He's always like super technologically like futuristic, advanced. Yes, thank you. Yeah. And uh, with this movie, we don't have that yet because, like you said, Joe, we don't have uh, Wayne Corp being as advanced as it is with Lucius Fox developing all sorts of gadgets for Batman and vice versa. But yeah, yeah, I liked how it was more simplistic in that way. And it allowed Batman as a character to kind of breathe more because he would take those hits and you felt them with him. And especially near the end, it's just like, whoa, man, he's taking a pounding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely felt those hits that he was taking because uh, we were watching it in deep box. So every hit, every crash, <laughs> uh, our seats were shaking. <laughs> and I made sure to have that. Yeah. Uh, I had that thing all the way up. <laughs> So nice. I, I lowered mine down because I was like, okay, this is like a too oh, intense. No, I, I got to pay attention. The whole time, each crash, I was just rumbling and rolling and shaking. It was great. Can you can you break down real quick? What's D-Box? D-Box is what, like 4D type thing? So I think they call it 4D in other places. Yeah, it's motion motion seats. Oh, okay. Hmm. So it shakes with the movie and stuff like that. So, so I think of the, like the each punch, was each awesome. punch that he <laughs> took, like the chair would kind of like rattle. So it's kind of like you're feeling what he's feeling. The crashes, yeah. like the car crashes, whatnot, like the, oh, it's yeah. just constantly yeah. rumbling and whatnot. That must have been fun. <laughs> oh yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. That Batmobile. Yep. I mean, my God, what a beautiful vehicle. <laughs> the pictures, the stills were like, "Ooh, that's so cool! I want that." But then when it was introduced, and you got that rumble, and again, I want we'll talk about it later on. The sound design was so perfect in that moment because it's so Batman in other ways. And you knew it was coming. It was like, God damn, that thing's awesome. And then one of the cooler car chases I've ever seen in film was done in this film right here. It felt really cool. Well, it made me want to check out more muscle cars. That's for sure. Because <laughs> in the, right? in the yeah. trailers, like, that's what I was thinking. Like, it's just a simple muscle car. But in the movie, you actually see, oh, wait, there's an actual like jet engine on there. And I was like, oh, damn, yeah. this is badass. <laughs> yeah. And it sounded incredible in IMAX, like uh, just the jet engine roaring off and him speeding along is just like, man, this is like the best iteration I think of the Batmobile. Yeah. My uh, thoughts on the Batmobile was, was exactly that. So we're watching the movie and a couple times, like I forgot that, you know, he was the Batman. He was going to have his Batmobile and, and all this stuff. Again, it just very, seemed very like he was just your regular guy. I uh, didn't have all this mm -hmm. crazy stuff. And then when we did get introduced to it, I thought the same thing Kyle was saying. I was like, Oh, that's not a Batmobile. That's, that's you know that we, that's a that's a Mustang in there. That's a Camaro. That's that's some American muscle in there. Um, yeah. With a jet engine. So again, I liked it because it all just felt kind of like I'm. I kept saying, keep saying, it just felt like it was just this regular guy who souped up his his Mustang, put a jet engine on it. Well, okay, you know he's got money, so that that's fine. But uh, yeah, I I really liked it compared to the others for sure. Again, I liked how everything just almost. I don't want to say relatable because I don't think we can relate to that, but uh, it yeah. just felt real, not over the top. Yeah, and it was it was a beautiful vehicle. Um, I have looked at it a few times since then, just like checking out stills and whatever, just kind of like it's hot. It's a good ass car. Oh, yeah. And I want to talk about Catwoman. We have a new Catwoman, Zoe Kravitz in this thing. And I would argue 
that really the Catwoman she's actually competing against is Michelle Pfeiffer. I think it's Michelle Pfeiffer. I still forgot to look it up. But I think that's really the, the other Catwoman. And they're different enough to where you could appreciate them separately, just like with Batman's. But I really like this Catwoman, specifically her relationship with Batman. I think this is a really good example of like why they can't be together and yet want to be together. What do you think, Joe? I liked it. Uh, I don't know who she was, uh, but she played it very well. Um, yeah. I, I did see what you were uh, saying like after the movie and what you said at the start here in the, in the podcast, the emotions that uh, Pattinson mm-hmm. was giving out and kind of just keeping everything real. I did really like their, their connection, their relationship that they were building. Um, I'm trying to remember, I, I vaguely remember uh, the Pfeiffer uh, Catwoman. Uh, obviously, the one that I am more familiar with was uh, Hathaway's, but that was a forgettable performance for sure. So really kind of just going off that, I really liked how she played it. She looked great in the, the Catwoman suit for sure. Um, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more of uh, her performance. Yeah. Yeah, of course, uh, with Catwoman, first image that pops in the mind is, of course, Michelle Pfeiffer. Like, in terms of style, that's it. Like, that's nailed the look. But yeah. what this movie did really well was it really introduced Selena Kyle. And I Ooh, think nice. that's how Zoe Kravitz, I think, is a better choice for the role. Because I didn't realize this, how, like, how much backstory she actually has, like, as a character in the Batman universe. Like, I had no idea about the relation between her and a certain other character later on and yeah it was just a really good arc for her like i actually was really invested in her character yeah and i actually like how you you put that uh uh we saw selena kyle right we we didn't see catwoman we saw her getting to catwoman i guess so Mm -hmm. yeah i agree with that for sure this version of catwoman is definitely from batman year one so if you guys want more of this vibe check out batman year one it's a it's one of the best batman stories and uh, it's kind of this like she was a madam who becomes what we would know today. So it's pretty cool. Um, OK, and then we're going to go over two more things before we go to spoilers. Uh, let's go over that rogues gallery, the villains. Uh, we had Penguin in this. We've got some mob bosses. We've got Falcone. Uh, it's definitely not. And of course, Riddler. It's definitely not like fighting a clownish Joker. It's not that kind of thing. It felt more personal, specifically with Riddler. We have Zodiac vibes. Mm-hmm. Or other vibes. I'm going to leave this to Joe in a second because I know what he wants to say. And um, say and I really liked it. the clones and the, the clues and stuff like that. Joe, what did you what think? What's in the box? Yeah. <laughs> I got totally. a huge seven vibe. I loved yeah. it. I loved it. I loved it. Um, piggybacking on what you said about like, you know, we're not chasing like some big clown. Love the Joker. Everybody loves the Joker. Uh, of course. I just loved, like you said, it was, it was a, a suspense, drama, thriller. Um, the Riddler, we were chasing him the whole time. We didn't see anything from his perspective, from what I remember. And uh, so I just, I just loved that. It was, I had huge seven vibes. If you love that movie, I think you'd love this. Um, and I just love that we were just kind of in that mob universe, right? Again, not chasing a, yeah. a clown around, uh, just some Zodiac killer, you know, posting codes to decipher for his next victims, where they're going to be and whatnot. So I, I loved that tremendously. For sure. I would say for the first three quarters of the film, it didn't have to be Batman. It oh, could have just been a detective exactly. story. Yep, yep. Exactly. And that's what I loved about it. That's, it. I felt like we were watching a detective movie in the Batman universe. And I was fine with that. For sure. And one thing they bring up, which is, is brought up in a lot of like the deeper content, it's brought up in Arkham games. The idea that like some of the police don't trust Batman. And Gordon just, he's been on the front lines with Batman. And it's almost like Gordon... Well, he mentions it in the movie. He trusts Batman more than the, the, the GCPD. And so that relationship between the two of them is this cool partnership. And their partners in this movie, like they haven't been in any other film I've seen. Uh, there's, there's been times where there's mistrust between the two, but there's actually a partnership in this. And I really like Jeffrey Wright's Commissioner Gordon. And they felt like it was the two of them versus the world yeah. versus Riddler. And I, li- I like that a lot. That was really, really cool. Overall, really good casting. I especially loved Colin Farrell as Penguin. Like, he nailed it. I felt like as yeah. an actor, like, he was almost unrecognizable, like, given, of course, the prosthetics, but even, like, his mannerisms and voice, like, you could not see him under there. Like, I thought he just utterly transformed into the character, and he did a really great yeah. job. And Paul Dano as the Riddler, like, 
Paul Dano is amazing at everything he does. Like going back to all the way to There Will Be Blood. I've always kept my eye on him. He's a great actor. And he, mm-hmm. I think he did the menacing, like, opposite of Batman very well. Yeah. I have more thoughts on that later. I loved, uh, piggybacking off what Kyle said, yeah, I really loved, uh, really loved the Riddler for sure. Uh, I didn't recognize the actor at first. So I'm going to have to look in, you know, through his IMDb and see exactly what he does. But I thought he played that perfectly. I, I, I couldn't have seen that been any better. Uh, but the penguin, what, you, what you're saying, Kyle, I had no clue who it was. And I loved it. I was like, who is this? Like, I knew, it's like I knew yeah. who he was, but I didn't. And we get out of the movie, and Tav, that was the first question Tav asked me. He's like, oh, what would you think of Colin Farrell's penguin? I was like, son of a, that's who it was. <laughs> it all hit, and it finally came together. So I loved yeah. it all. I thought the, just the cast, the acting, everything was great. Uh, again, loved it all. What I'll say this movie does that other Batman movies do not capture. I mean, none of them have captured it this way. The fucking layers these guys have got. So let's look at that. Penguin. We have this almost cocky attitude he's got, but he's also not the head mal boss. And he feels belittled when he's around Falcone. I don't know if you guys caught that or not, but Falcone treats him like shit. Mm -hmm. And then with the Riddler, the Riddler first level is like, I'm this mastermind. You guys are playing in my game. But then there's this thing where he's like, guys, we're alone no more. So he has another layer of like finding his group, which is the part that's like, man, that could happen today really well. He's got his own TikTok and stuff like that. And there's like this level of like, we're not alone anymore. And then there's this other level where it's like, I have been an orphan as well, but I'm not, I'm not looking down from Wayne Manor. I'm looking up from the streets. And it's just like these freaking layers, these characters where you're almost like, I get it, Riddler, or I get it, Penguin. You were mistreated. On that as well, Penguin has his own spinoff coming up that's going to be all about Colin Farrell post-Falcone. And so we'll see what happens with that. So that'll be, that'll be really, really cool. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, all right, let's talk about last bit here. Directing, I think Matt Reeves just, I mean, there's so many shots. Excellent lighting. Now, without calling anything out specifically, what are your immediate reactions on the, the lighting and the shots there, Kyle? This was a great looking movie and a great sounding movie. I had a lot of thoughts in regards to particular shots. Like, for example, I don't want to get into too many spoilers, but the car chase like that alone was great, especially the ending through Penguin's point of view as Batman's walking up to him. And of course, like there's shots even between Selena and Batman that I really liked as well. Like one in particular is when they were getting ready to go into the iceberg lounge where she infiltrates Mm -hmm. to get information. And there's just this really great shot of the two of them with the backdrop of Gotham behind them with, you know, the Gothic architecture and the building they're in. Yeah. Just incredibly immersive and atmospheric movie. I thought it was really well done. Some of those shots are like straight up comic book panels. Not that they exist as comic book panels, but it's like what you would do with the comic book panel. It's like, okay, we have to convey loneliness. How do we do that? Oh, we pull it all the way back and we just see them with a big city behind them and stuff like that. And it's just, they did a really good job of that. Matt Reeves just killed it. What do you think, Joe? Keep it simple and sweet. Easy 10 out of 10. The shots were beautiful. Yeah. The lighting was beautiful. The sounds were beautiful. It was Everything was just well done. Uh, yeah. Again, went in not expecting anything and just left, you know, with the best gift ever that night. It was yeah. so good. Everything was just beautifully well done. It's kind of like, uh, you know, a little off topic, but uh, uh, wow as games, right? You have the sound, the 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 zones, the music, everything's beautiful. And the story sometimes, <laughs> but uh, that's not saying anything about the Batman, you know, sucking. But everything was right. was beautiful. They did it well. That's like what I was saying before. Was like part of this is the best it's ever been in any Batman movie. Yep. As a whole, for some reason, it's not quite a hundred percent the best, but parts definitely are. And I, I got to say that soundtrack, the same. And I'm gonna put it in this. You're gonna hear it a lot. You're about to hear it again as we transition. The same melody is used for action moments when they just speed it up and make it hit harder. Sad moments when they slow it down and you're hearing each note separately. It's the same melody the entire time, just used in different ways. And that's just, I mean, that's, that's master, masterful. It's wonderful. Yeah, it does go a long way when you can reuse the same theme and repurpose it. And it still doesn't wear out its welcome. And I think the score yeah. in particular was fantastic, too. That was like one of the things I caught on to very quick. Um, was that how they were just doing that and just building uh, the tension just with that same 
note for the most part throughout the movie and it just would get louder and louder and louder and oh i loved it just loved it yeah all right we're gonna be moving on to spoilers we'll do some transition here guys we're moving on to spoilers so if you haven't watched it yet please go watch it and then come on back and listen to the second half of this So I want to really start off our spoiler area with the transition in Batman himself. Again, with the emotional investment in Batman, I was paying attention to who he was as a person. And me and Joe have talked about this afterwards. But in the beginning of the film, he's talking about how they're afraid of the shadows. The idea, and this is classic Batman, the bat signal is way more powerful as a deterrent than it is actually calling Batman over. And so people see it, they get worried, they're worried he's in the shadows. And then by the end of the film, he's guiding people in the light. He's using the flare, that shot that's above him, which is Beautiful. my favorite shot of the whole movie, is him guiding people to light, showing that the, the, the new mayor was afraid to even take his hand. She too was afraid of him. And the guy who says, oh, I'm vengeance, his line was like, I'm no better than these assholes. And so he now will guide people using leadership, using the light. I just thought that was a beautiful way of showing growth through Batman. Loved that shot for sure. Um, uh, as far as like what Pattinson was doing with the character to build those emotions, I definitely felt it there. Yeah. You had pointed that you pointed that out just now, but after the movie as well, when we were talking, you know how we, uh, the the bad guy was like, "I am vengeance." Uh, the I didn't catch, I didn't even think of it at the time, but I didn't think of the mayor uh, being scared either. But I loved how. Again, he just was built up from everybody being afraid of him to literally like, hey, we can trust this guy. Like you were saying a bit ago, too, like the cops didn't like him either. Right. But Gordon yeah. um, trusted him. I think uh, that's cool, too, because nobody kind of like you're saying, it's year one, year two, Batman. Nobody knows who right. he is. Right. They just yeah. they're just like, hey, this is a bad guy that's beating up people. Uh, and I think they were starting to see, like, hey, at the at the end, at least, you know, he's he's this good guy. He's here for us. He's saving us. Going forward, we'll probably see him be, you know, loved and whatnot. But uh, but yeah, no, he, I loved it. Did a great job. I even think he was named at the very end too, because up at that point, Catwoman was calling him Vengeance as like his name. And then at the end, the lower third of the news coverage of the event showing Batman saving people, saying Batman is saving people in Gotham after flooding. And so I think that was actually like him being named. From start to finish, we really see a lot of growth. And what Robert Pattinson did really well is he delicately balanced both Bruce Wayne and Batman mm -hmm. in this journey. Like, I know you weren't too fond of his Bruce Wayne performance. I thought it was, you know, not the best. I still think Michael Keaton's the best Bruce Wayne by far. But yeah, I agree. he did a great job with showing vulnerability. And you see that as well with his conversations with Alfred, particularly with his father, Thomas Wayne, and how that plays such a huge role in everything he does. And it's like a personal connection, like the Riddler's addressing here for Batman. And he has to look within himself to say, I can rise above this. I don't have to fall to the same corruption that these various city officials like his dad did. Yeah. And seeing him triumph over that and teaching Selena, hey, don't use guns. Don't let them corrupt you as well. Like it really hammered home what he stands for his ideals and his sense yes. of justice and i think that's what the movie did so well with this particular iteration of batman yeah that was very well said uh i liked as well kind of like how you know he didn't want to fall to the corruption he didn't want uh you know Catwoman to fall to the corruption as well normally it's kind of just that golden rule in batman like hey batman doesn't use guns and all the other batmans is like no we don't use guns i liked how they built up that emotional uh, connection with him where he just, you know, he didn't want to fall to the corruption. That's why he doesn't use guns. Uh, and, and I like that. I think that's very well said. Yeah. Uh, Kyle. Yeah. It's, it's better than just some random rule actually seeing that there's a purpose behind it and a purpose that makes exactly. damn good sense when you think about it. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and I also like the fact that it, it's almost okay. So yeah, the Batman growth over time, well-deserved and it was shown well through visual metaphors um, and so I'm going to finish this part off before I go to the next thing is why I'm doing that. Um, and also like audio metaphors, one thing I want to bring up real quick. In the beginning, 
they would look in the shadows and see nothing, but then kind of just be scared. Like there'd be that guy like waiting to see what would happen. Oh, yeah, but when yeah. he is there, they made sure to have that, the Foley artist, I mean, just give him a raise, them a raise, when you'd hear the footsteps coming in. And it just, he, Batman felt very heavy. Like he actually felt like he weighed a lot there. Every step was super impactful. Like, oh, doom is coming and vengeance is coming. And also they use that same effect in the car chase when Penguin thinks he's kind of away, he's in between the two semis, and then, or like when he gets first on the freeway, you can hear Batman's engine over all the other vehicles on the freeway, clear as a bell. It's almost echoing off of something that doesn't really exist. And it's just like, it's this hungry shark that's coming after you and you can't get ahead of it. That version of Batman, that greed, anger that he's going to come and get you, something I, I just haven't felt like, shit, Penguin, get away <laughs> like before. And I, I really liked that I got into this one. Did you guys get into those vibes out of this? Like, he's just this impending doom? Totally. Oh, yeah, for sure, totally. for sure. Uh, they just, again, they did a great job just with, kind of like in war movies, you know how, like, you get that shell shock or something. Everything kind of just goes down. You just get, like, the the, the beating sounds. Where it's, doom, yeah. Doom. You know, it kind of just gets louder and louder. So they did a great job with that, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And Kyle, did you want to mention that that scene you were talking about on the on the freeway, that shot? That was so cool. Exactly. Like, you know, it's kind of strange that you kind of root for the penguin in that. Like, <laughs> at least I was. I was like, man, I A really hope he does get away because he yeah. was like so fun to follow in that particular car chase because everything was from mostly his point of view. And as the viewer, you're like, well, where's Batman? Like, he's trying to catch up to him. And of course, you know, penguin. Here and there, he avoids getting caught. But then at the very end, when the car flips and everything, and mm-hmm. you see Batman just slowly, like this is what Robert told me, seeing Batman from the upside down and then to the side, like he hinting at future uh, encounters. Because, you know, Batman yeah. always comes upside down sometimes. And I thought that was a yeah. really nice touch as well. And usually when the upside down shot is used it to show like a change of perspective or that your world is changing. And I think for Penguin, a guy who is a pseudo mob boss, I think it's a signifying moment to him that he's like, oh no, there's a new player in the field. I, this vigilante that visited me in my office that I didn't take seriously is my forever pain in the ass now. And I just like that. I like, oh, I have an arch, arch enemy now. And it's that moment he's realizing that, which is just, God damn, that was so cool. Um, yeah. And then again, a no, another emotional part. Let's talk about Batman a little bit versus uh, Bruce Wayne here. I felt like we actually got more emotion out of Robert Pattinson in the costume than we did when he's out of it versus like, say when he's bedside to Alfred versus the moment when he sees the kid for the first time after the kid walked in on the the father dead, you almost got like, he was like almost tearing up through the eyes and it was like more impactful than it was when Bruce Wayne was sitting there. I think we had more emotion in, in this three-hour movie than we did in all his Twilight series movies. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> he, he just <laughs> smoldered the whole time in Twilight, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it says a lot, actually, about Bruce Wayne and Batman as two separate characters because we see this constantly with Batman is that he wears the mask to express his grief. And I think as Bruce Wayne, that's his mask. That's what he puts on to protect himself from the grief. And you see that in the different scenes where at the funeral, he's a stone face. Like you don't see any emotion from him, but as Batman, you get hints of that. Like, especially in the beginning when he was beating on that one guy and you could tell like he was letting something out, like an explosive anger almost. And you, you know, as you get further and further along in the movie, it, it just even like increases exponentially. Like his personal vendetta against criminals like the Riddler like he brought that out in him and I don't think that we've like Val Kilmer Batman I don't think could have done that George Clooney Batman couldn't have done that no you know no. I think this was this is something unique to this version of Batman I've said it a few times now and and again it's like you it just like how Joe's been saying he's more realistic like a guy who just got a nice car I actually was like this Batman could die like we could actually just like this Batman would die compared to Ben Affleck Batman who was I think invulnerable. <laughs> I mean, he went toe to toe with Superman without a problem. This Batman could not go toe to toe with Superman. And they specifically, Matt Reeves has said, I don't want this Batman to ever see Superman because then it ruins him. And, and we have to see that this guy is just 
just a sliver ahead of the cops detectively and just ahead of, of everybody else fighting wise just a little bit. For example, that scene where he's uh, hit, stuck in the room with all those cops, they made sure to be close up on those cops and everything like that to like, it felt claustrophobic and you could kind of feel Batman was like a caged dog just like frantically swinging at people like he was upset at everybody. That was, that was for sure a great shot as well. They did a great job at just making it feel like when they flipped it too. So you're seeing it from like, you know, Batman's third person perspective. You're like, oh, I don't want to be here. Exactly. <laughs> like, this is not good. <laughs> this is filled with all cops that do not like me. And I have one guy in here that's got my back. Um, and then kind of, again, how we keep saying, you know, just all felt so real. It wasn't some crazy superhero. I loved how when he is making his way to the very top of the, the police station, yeah. Um, he has that that quick hesitation where he's like, oh, you know, he was like afraid of heights yeah. almost. And I just loved how he just he didn't make it up there. It was very small. It's not like it was like impactful or anything. But I just loved how he just didn't immediately jump and have some jetpack right. or something. He had to like stop and think about it. And he was like, all right, here we go. I guess we're doing <laughs> this. And then he kind of just, you know, jumps. So um, and you could tell it was his first time using that glider too. Right. <laughs> He crashed into the bridge. Oh man, that that looked painful. <laughs> yeah, that looked painful. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> little too painful. I was, you know, I know he's Batman. Yeah. And, you know, we had to keep the movie going for another two hours, but uh, yeah, that, that that I don't think uh, the regular person would get up. After no. that. If it was me, I wouldn't have. <laughs> I would have just laid. There. I would have jumped. I've been like, all right, yeah, three meals a day in jail, I guess, and here we go. Yeah. But and you could tell that, hey, now next time he's probably going to make that jump a little bit faster and faster and faster until he's OK with it. Like this is yeah. a Batman that will eventually become the badass. We all know, but it's just not quite mm -hmm. there yet. So it's pretty neat. Um, and I like that, though. Me too. Oh, I me like too. that a lot. Yeah. I like Same. I like how he like like you were saying, he's just one step ahead of, just you know, he's fighting one step ahead of the cops type thing. Yeah. He's he's not just like we can't do anything. We need the Batman. So yeah. I don't know. Uh, any other final thoughts on Batman, the character, before we move on to any, anything else? I thought the Batsuit was amazing. It was. Like, this iteration of the Batsuit was really badass. When I first saw the leather, I was like, nah, it looks cheap. But now I like, oh no, I like that. Like, leather, yeah. you can see the actual stitching and stuff like that. It was real clean. That short collar, that was dope. Uh, let's go ahead and start talking about the movie's pacing and the directing. Of course, we've been talking about how the shots are amazing. The, the sound is so good in this movie. That freaking soundtrack is just the the uh, score is so beautiful for this. But pacing wise, we've mentioned this already. It could have ended like three times. I thought like, OK, you got you got the Riddler end with them having that conversation in uh, Arkham. And that would be the end of it. Like that would be a really good way to close out. But no, it's like, oh, no, you got half an hour more of a movie to go. And it wasn't that the additions were bad. I enjoyed them. But I, it was just like he didn't really need it. Or you could have shortened the first part of this. And, you know, what did you guys think of, of the pacing wise? I thought it was very slow. Yeah. So I, I don't mind when you get more of a movie, especially when you're very into it. Right. Like, you know, I've seen plenty of movies where I'm like, oh, yeah, we're coming to an end. Mm -hmm. I'm not ready for it to be over. I thought this movie was a little too long. Would it? I mean, like you said, it could have it could have ended multiple times. Yeah. A lot of times I thought it was going to end. And then we were going on to the next chapter. The next next 30 minutes. Okay, now it's going to end. No, nope, we're going. We kept going. So I felt like it was paced a little too slow. Uh, I do think it was a little too long. I really think what they wanted to do or what it could have been, it was it would have been a hell of a like a miniseries. And we, you yeah. and I were talking about that uh, earlier. Um, I almost felt like that's kind of what they had designed for it. Like, hey, you know, this is going to be you're going to find this on Netflix or something. Yeah, HBO Max, six uh, episodes. And then HBO yeah. Max, yeah. And then we're just like, yeah, no, never mind. We're not going to do that. We'll just do a theatrical release. And they kind of just put it all together. Mm -hmm. That's not saying anything bad about it. Like, it was good, obviously. I think it's safe to say we all very much so enjoyed it. But uh, I just think it was very, very slow. Yeah. I, I didn't really mind the length at all. I know near the ending, it was starting to get a little, uh, you know, not fatigue for myself because the seats the IMAX seats weren't that great <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> but uh, it did definitely take a notice to that we do get that tonal shift after the Riddler's caught like okay now this is turning into like a popcorn flick almost yeah, quickly and we get that with that whole stadium scene and you know we wouldn't have those payoffs in the story for Batman being a light in the dark if not for it ending with that Riddler conversation yeah. so 
you know, there could have been a couple of minor alterations to kind of get it down maybe to like 245 or 230. But yeah, I I enjoyed it very much. A good example of the pacing so you guys can kind of get a vibe for what a detective noir, a modern day one is Perry Mason. It's on HBO Max. Um, go check that out. It's it's straight up a detective noir. I mean, it's exactly what we're talking about here. And so, but I, I will say that because we had that pacing beforehand, because we had that relationship and we were building out this Batman that way, when the, uh, what is that called? Like the seawall broke. I actually thought like, oh no, this is too much for Batman. He can't handle this. Like I actually felt like y- you just jumped this up to 11 and this guy just, he's already got his ass handed to him by Riddler too hard this entire time. So I felt like it's all is lost. I really felt that way. So I kind of liked that. I kind of felt like even like, for example, when Bane had like a freaking bomb that was going to go off and we knew Batman was going to have to fly it out there. I was like, eh, he'll jump out of that plane. It'll be fine. That's not how I felt when things were going bad for this Batman. It felt different. So I liked that feeling. I was good. The relationship with the cops, I think, evolved over time. We had in the beginning where the guy's like, what is this guy doing here? You know, that kind of thing. And then towards the end, not only was he working with Commissioner Gordon, I felt like he was actually kind of working with more of the police. Did you guys get that vibe or was that just me? I think, I think they just, again, uh, over the, the length of the movie, uh, they, again, everybody was afraid of him. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew who he was. And I think that's just kind of what that was is they started to see what he was doing. He was there to help them. Yeah. Um, he wasn't actually in on any of the Joker's, I mean, any of the Riddler's riddles. You know, he wasn't the, the Zodiac killer and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and I think that's just kind of what it came down to, is they just built that trust. Yeah. Uh, made me excited for that GCPD series we got, because that moment when yeah. they bring out Falcone, and uh, we'll talk about that here in a bit, too, actually. When they bring out Falcone, and he's like, oh, I own the police. It's like, not all of them. And it showed the, that smaller group of the GCPD. Right away, the first thing that came to me was like, oh, that's right, they're doing a show for this. And I was like, I cannot wait to see this new version of the GCPD that's like trying to fight corruption the whole time. That's going to be so dope. And then we had that part, let's, let's, ah, it's so freaking good, where by chance he brings Falcone into that light and he was shot. And that was like Riddler's whole thing. I mean, Kyle, can you speak to this? Riddler thinking Batman was on his side and all that stuff like that. We have the, the bat with wings or whatever, the rat with wings. Can you speak to any of that? Well, I'm glad we're finally moving on to Riddler because yeah. I have a lot yeah, to say. break it down, uh, buddy. I, Paul Dano was fantastic. And the reason why... I think what he does so well is he conveys the opposite side of Batman, yeah. which, you know, the Joker is naturally of in the comics, like he's chaos. And specifically, he was inspired by Batman to do this. Like yeah. it wasn't mainly his own design. It was basically, you know, Batman's mask, his vengeance, like everything that he stands up for inspired his character to make a stand against all the corruption in the city. And you could say they're one in the same, really, because, you know, two different takes, of course, but which was more effective. And Riddler did get things done. He got people killed that were corrupt. And it says a lot about the dichotomy between the two and how they can be interpreted as good or evil. And I think that's what Paul Dano did extremely well in the role. He conveyed that uh, desperation that he experienced as an orphan and what he went through. And I actually was sympathizing with him a little more so than Batman. And that was really shocking to me. Especially when you see him in the diner at the end and he didn't have the mask on and you were just like, oh, you sad sap. You got too deep into this. And uh, I mean, we've seen it with with people today. They get into somebody online or whatever, and they're just like, they're following into it. And you're kind of like, damn it, you just kind of got too into this environment. And it's like, what a shame. And yeah, when the cops are surrounding him and he was just sitting there making tea, and it's like, God damn. And when he sees, oh man, that conversation he has with Batman in Arkham Asylum, where he's just like, and Batman's the whole Incredible. time thinking like, does he know I'm Bruce Wayne? He thinks he is. He thinks yeah. the, the, the gig is up. The jig is up. And uh, no, surprisingly, it's just like, we couldn't get Bruce Wayne. <laughs> it's like, Woo, that's sigh of relief. <laughs> yeah. I like how he thought, um, what kind of, what Kyle was saying was, you know, he, he did a job at thinking that they were friends. Yeah, we're right? in on he this together. Him and Batman were, yeah, they're, they're, they're best friends. They were, you know, he was, he was his mole on the inside, yeah. you know, with the GCPD and whatnot. And he was helping him solve these riddles so he can bring everything, you know, 
bring Falcone out into the light and just do what he needed to do. And then you, you that conversation in the asylum when he realizes, oh, you know, this guy, he's ruining my plan. How can you say all that? Just to find out a little later, you know, when he thought all is lost, he does have a friend. There's so much complexity to this character. Like, th- it's easily the best part of the movie for me. Riddler is connected to Batman without him realizing it. Because Riddler really takes advantage of his freedom in the mask and has him do these tasks like bring out into the light and all that stuff with all the riddles. And, you know, it says a lot about Batman's uh, intelligence as well in this movie. Like he was playing right into the Riddler's hands. And I think moving forward, you don't see that from him as a character so much. Like he doesn't let himself become so susceptible to manipulation from say like the Joker or anybody Mm -hmm. else. And I think what also made Riddler so relatable, you know, he was giving out these viral videos and it's such an effective form of communication and you could really use it for good and bad. And, you know, that influences people significantly. Like we saw at the end with the uh, lookalikes in the stadium, like how that influence is so easily spread and very terrifying portrayal of a realistic I would say like almost uncanny resemblance to the underrepresented in the real world. And that's the scary part about it. Totally. And and they're even saying like, he has like, I think it was 500 followers. It could have been 5,000 followers, but either 500, 500. not a lot of followers, dedicated followers is the key term there and what they could do. And so it's kind of like, God, 500 people that we could like not notice being so frustrated that they're planning this thing can do so much damage, you know? It's amazing. Paul Paul did such a good job. And Joe, please, if you haven't if you don't remember who he is, I can't suggest enough. There will be blood. <laughs> it's so good. Fantastic movie. Yep. He gets his milkshake shake drunk up. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And and then I also so there he's in the prisons. He's in the Arkham Asylum cell, which one of the spinoffs we're getting up uh, uh, out of this movie or is gonna be all about Arkham Asylum, so get ready for that. But um He's having a conversation clearly with this other inmate who says, blah, 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 they call you a clown. And hinting that, yeah, we're going to have a Joker. I was a little disappointed in that, to be honest with you, because I was like, I don't want Joker. I I really don't want any of the main movie tie-in kind of guys. You just killed Falcone. That means Maroney's going to be moving up and Penguin's going to be moving up. I liked more the crime boss aspect of this thing, which is the detective side of this whole movie, not necessarily the post part. And it looks like they might be, they left the door open to be able to go full on Batman from here. Uh, what did you guys think of that? Were you happy to see Joker as a possibility? Or did you want to like kind of stay away from those? So first off, I liked how they teased it. Yeah. Right? There was no... It wasn't... A normal superhero movie like this, that's why we stayed at the after the credits. Yeah. Right? That's the way we stayed at the end. And that's normally where you would see that tease. Right? Is At the end credits... Uh, maybe, you know, where we just see a shot of the asylum and we hear the, you know, um, famous Joker laugh, right? right? Oh, now we know there's going to be a sequel and we're probably going to have the Joker in it. I liked how it was thrown in there where, again, Riddler just thought his, you know, he, he actually doesn't have a friend in the Batman. His All his plans were just now just shaken up. This guy in the cell next to him starts talking to him and uh, he's like, hey, you know, I'll be your friend type thing. Uh, he, he says like a clown reference in there. And as soon as he said that, you know, I, I, I kind of like blurted out loud in the theater. You know, was, oh, oh, I know this is going. Uh, and I looked, we didn't see the guy's face, but you saw almost like the, 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 the side, the side view of his face. Yeah. Uh, it had that, that famous grin to it. Right. You couldn't really make out who it I was. I almost thought it was two face when I was, when I was like, uh, you know, same. Yeah. same. Yeah, I thought it was that. as well because his, you know, uh, it, what you did see on his face from the side that was leaning on the glass was just, you know, it looked like it was burnt. Yeah. But I don't think it was burnt. I think it was scarred, mm-hmm. right? So his typical smile with his his, his scars. And I think that's what it was. Obviously, we don't know for sure, but I really think it was the Joker. Uh, again, he he made that clown reference as well as they started laughing. Right. And you again, there was that famous everybody knows that laugh. Yeah. So I am kind of excited to see the Joker. Joker is one of my favorite villains for sure. I just love how um, he's been played 
uh, in the past, so I'm looking forward to see other versions of Joker, except Leto's. Leto's Joker was of bad. Of <laughs> <laughs> <Bar> <laughs> But I hope they keep the same style. So, again, we don't need to see the typical Joker that we've seen in, in the past Batman movies. I almost hope that they keep it like that mob-style detective movie yeah. where the Joker is, again, just this Zodiac killer type thing. Like, we see him maybe in, in, in clips, like we saw the Riddler here. We don't need to see things from his perspective, so it would be cool. It'd still be cool to see, you know, like, um, so who's who's dead? Falcone's dead. Uh, so maybe uh, now Penguin is gonna rise. He's gonna be that mob. There's Maroney out there too. There's another mob. Like there's two mob bosses that control Gotham. The other one's out now. Yeah. So I still think they can still see, keep the same vibe and, um, you know, with like the same shots mm-hmm. in the movie as well. We don't need to get the typical Joker that we've seen in the past. We don't need all that screen time and whatnot. So they could still play it like how they kept this one. Uh, but I am excited to see the Joker for sure. I'm with you too. I think we've seen enough of Joker as his, you know, ultimate form, so to speak, like with Heath yeah. Ledger. Like that's bar none, I think, the epitome of Joker. Like you can't really go beyond that. And I don't know if you guys were aware, but Barry Keegan is in fact the actor. And he was an eternal. Was he the actor that played ba- uh, Joker in that shot? I didn't. Okay. Yes. Because yes. he's been in. He, okay. So just uh, just to add to your thing before you go too much farther. Uh, he's. This is fucking crazy. Actually, I wasn't sure if it was one hundred percent him. So he's actually rumored to be on set for GCPD series as well. So he might be the Joker that they're fighting as as the cops try to tag him down. So just a heads up on that. And I was reading too. Uh, just to cut in real quick. Uh, apparently, there was supposed to be like a bigger scene in here. I guess that they cut. So there was supposed to be something saying like, hey, you know, this is the Joker. And what I don't know what we were supposed okay. to see, but I was just reading that they cut something from the script for sure. Like last second, especially after seeing this movie, like I was really fascinated with the whole mob element to the Batman universe yeah. because I'm just a casual fan. I don't know the extended lore per se, Like you probably know more, Frank, but it almost seems to me like everything stems from these families yep. like we had the Wayne family and the Arkham family and then you know both Falcone and uh yep. Maroney yep. and you know these families these were the pillars of society in Gotham and I feel like that was the true enemy in this movie and the Riddler you know he was just lashing out against them and I want to see more of that yes. like more storytelling focused on say how these you know, fundamentals that we live by, how they can be corrupted further, how can they be explored through other villains, per se? Because I think everything kind of stems from Gotham itself as the city, like the origins of these villains that we've seen in the Batman universe. Yeah. So I would really like to see that, especially in this new series, uh, GCPD. Yeah. So uh, there's also one more element. If you're going into like, the idea that the Waynes weren't perfect was really cool in this too, because ideally Thomas Wayne is this idyllic person who just can't be beaten. Batman will always try to live up to. Um, meanwhile, in Flashpoint, uh, Thomas Wayne becomes Batman and is the most murderous version of Batman I can think of. Uh, he's pretty amazing. And again, in Whoa. that story storyline, uh, Martha Wayne becomes Joker. So it's just it's an outstanding story. Yeah, it's great. Holy yeah. moly! Can I? Uh, can you link me some stuff like Definitely. that? We actually. Like- where I, can I actually read on that? reviewed the entire comic book series on this podcast about two years ago, but I will send you. It's, oh, okay. it's Flashpoint. It's like 120 pages. It's an outstanding story. Um, but yeah, so that's really good there. But there's also the Court of Owls, which is kind of a maybe last 15 years villain. They're actually going to put it in the new Batman game, uh, Gotham Knights, which is actually not with Batman. But they're really cool. They're about the society of the wealthy people that live in Gotham that have kind of been controlling things behind the scene. And have constantly tried to take out Thomas Wayne, who's like negating the the good that he's doing. Like they're like, ah, damn it, you're messing us up, you know. So that whole idea, it's really cool. It, it's it's mentioned in the Gotham show that one that was on Fox, so uh, a little bit there. But yeah, it, it's really cool villain that should be explored. Yeah, I thought that's what this movie was going to lead to. Actually, was the Court of Owls, and I was looking forward to that. And you know, we didn't get that unfortunately, but I'm still looking forward to the possibility of that being introduced in the yeah. future. Uh, okay, let's go ahead and start wrapping this up, guys. Are there any final thoughts you want to make sure we get out there for this movie before we, we close things up? Overall, final thoughts. Um, again, I just really enjoyed everything. Uh, the, the score was 
was perfect. The lighting, the, the shots were beautiful. Uh, I, I just really enjoyed it. I loved how I just didn't go in. I went in not knowing anything about it, right? For the most part, I mean, I knew that there was a new Batman movie coming out. That's really all I, I saw about it. Um, so I just loved that I, I didn't catch any trailers. Yeah. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know it was the Riddler. I didn't know Pattinson was there. So overall, yeah. I love that I went in not seeing anything and just went out just loving it. Probably one of my favorite Batmans for sure that I had seen. Um, I highly recommend catching it if you do like that detective vibe. You know, what's in the box? Yeah. Uh, huge seven vibes. I actually got to look up. There's no way Reeves wasn't inspired by that because oh, I'm sure I'm sure there's like side by sides where you could just see shot for shot almost very, very similar. But uh, yeah, I loved it. I'm looking forward to the sequels. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to them bringing in other villains. I would love to see the Joker in a different shot view, I guess, mm-hmm. than what we've seen in the past. Maybe just kind of like Joker working in the back. But I don't know. I'm really excited for it. I hope it turns into sequels to come. Uh, I'm all for yeah. it. Uh, I've been watching a lot of interviews about Raisin. It's been very interesting to hear him talk and I'm excited for the future work he's got coming down the pipeline. So that'll be cool. Yeah, for sure. How? What are you gonna? What, what are you thinking about this? Final thoughts? I'll have to say this: what this movie did so well is that it made me want to learn more about the Batman lore and the universe in general. You know, even more so than any other of the movies. And I would say even rivals like the animated series in regards to its storytelling. Like I thought it was really well put together, and. Not only that, it makes me want to just embrace future movies with Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Like I almost see him playing Batman for the next 10, 15 years. I think he did an amazing job. And I'm still hoping for a Batman Beyond interpretation or adaptation myself. Daniel is like, too. Uh, won't shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, for me, I love Terry McGinnis. I think he's an incredible character. Yeah. And my dream is to have uh denis Villeneuve, i think that's his name direct a batman beyond movie okay. yeah because that would be just insane but this movie in particular i just think was really well done the acting was all across the board really mm-hmm. great the cinematography the sound design it just you felt like you were in the movie easily an a for me yeah I, i'm gonna go with a minus for myself and and i would have to say that the cinematography was definitely the highlight to me sound design as well the world they built, I hope they keep it as small as possible like this. Uh, flooding all of Gotham was a huge jump, but keep it as small as possible. I just enjoyed living in that world so much. And this human Batman, which we know will eventually become the superhero we know and love that fights alongside the JLA. But this stage of him, year two Batman, was something that it felt like reading those one-off comic books like year one, year two. Long Halloween was a big inspiration for this. It was all about chasing down a serial killer. Um it felt like that. So I just really liked that. And I hope we get more of that. I'm really excited for what we have to come. So that'll be really cool. Joe, what would you grade this? I think you had a grade for me at the pizza place. Do you still agree with it? Yeah, I gave it, yeah, I gave it like an 8.59 yeah. for sure. Solid, solid. So I guess that's like a what up? A B plus A, A minus for sure. All right, guys, that's it for us. Uh, we're going to actually go over to a quick comic book review. We like to make sure to share indie comic books. If you like this movie, it's based off of a comic book series, clearly, and the future movies will be based off comic books, so we're going to head a lot over to a review for an indie comic book. We're doing that right now. We're going to be finishing up this week's episode with another spotlight on an indie creator. As many of you guys know, we like to bring on indie creators, specifically comic book creators, who are trying to show off their amazing work. And this week, we have a real delight for you. We had the opportunity to review the book Magic Powder by Jeff Schiller. Now, normally we'd bring Jeff on for an interview. We're so booked around here, so it was really hard to make that work. But I thought, you know what? Let's at least talk about Magic Powder number one. Magic Powder two is on the way. This is a good way to get everybody involved in the story early on. Magic Powder takes place in a world called Thez, and it's one of those things that I just freaking love. When we have fantasy, we have old stories told in a new modern light. This magical world has dwarves, elves, orcs, the, uh, the whole gambit, right? 
but dealing with modern problems. And it boils down to a drug issue. That's what the magic powder is, folks. And I love so many of these characters immediately. We have a couple of heavy hitters that I'm excited to follow through their entire story. I'm going to spotlight three of them for you guys right now. These are my top threes you guys got to pay attention to. First off, we got the Dwarf Father. Now imagine that dwarven king, stoic, sitting on his throne in the center of a mountain. He's a badass. He's got a big old hammer with him. Now put him in modern day. What is he? Oh, that's right. Big old cartel boss. This guy is a big mob boss. He runs the game. A little older for his age, but remember dwarves, they live a long time. But he's still holding on to power and he's going to make sure everybody knows who he is. Through the first issue, we see Dwarf Father's power put to the challenge, but I think he's going to rise above it. I honestly think there's going to be a character we're all going to love to hate later on. I always like those characters. Somebody who's doing the wrong thing, we're here rooting for him. You know what I'm talking about. Next character I want to make sure you guys follow is Volta. This dude, okay, so we got to go with visuals here. I'm going to do a visual game for you guys. Think of an elf that has like samurai sword and ninja abilities. And yeah, I just basically named off a bunch of badass people in history. That's what this is. He's got a magical sword. And this is a world where, yeah, magic exists, but it's almost like being ignored by the common people with cell phones kind of thing. That's what we got going on here. This guy's got a magical sword and he dresses like a dope ass assassin from like a Kill Bill movie. So how could you not be rooting for Volta? And then the number one character you have to pay attention to, and it's probably the pro real protagonist here, is going to be Zaj. Okay. Tough to say, I, I got to admit, I don't speak Elvish. Z-J-A-H. Think of that boring librarian in a forgotten library. Okay, but that forgotten library stores the spells and magic of the world, forgotten by the people who care about what's on Facebook more. Now, say all of a sudden the thing that everybody's dependent on comes from that library, okay? Suddenly that boring library becomes much more important. Now, what if little old librarian Zaj thought, damn, you know what? I could really use this opportunity to take all the power in the world. That's what we're looking at right here, guys. We're talking about that little itty bitty librarian thinking he could be the next freaking boss of the world. And so to see him take the right steps immediately, I'm talking like issue one, take the right steps to take power. And you're like, oh, damn, we got to break a bat on our hands here, folks. Watch out. We got to break a bat on our hands. So I'm so excited to follow these three characters and many more in this really beautiful book. Speaking of the beauty of this book, okay, written by Jeff Schiller. Art is done by Daniel Akilani. I hope I said that right. He does the art, coloring, lettering, normally like a multifaceted, multi-person job. He's taking care of all of it. And I want to say the art in this book, guys, um, including the dialogue, but, but you know, art's always what I kind of check out first. You, you do judge a book by its cover, right? Well, this is one of the most professional books I've ever seen uh, out of an indie creator. As you guys are well aware, and what you guys probably don't even know, like we come across dozens, dozens of indie comic book writers reaching out to us. We just don't have the time sometimes. And some of the books are, are oh, they look good, but you could, you could feel the indiness of this. This feels like if a big publisher put their hands to this thing. This is a very high quality book. I appreciate that. That means that there's more time, more effort, the right team putting. And really, it's Jeff. Jeff's kind of building this awesome team. He's got a global global team. You know, uh, uh, we got Daniel from from Italy. We've got uh, Samuel coming up later on from uh, Africa. Amazing that he's building this team, right? This book is put together very, very well. I, I just appreciate it. Uh, next, we do have Samuel uh, Awanzi. Now he is from Africa. He does the cover. Um, I'm not, I don't remember exactly what he, on, on his page, you can see exactly where everybody's from and it's pretty neat. Uh, but yeah, the cover again, one of those things where it's like, okay, I get it. There's indie creators and yes, there's many of them, but some of them are like, I'm going to put in that AAA work and make a AAA product. And that's what we have here. We also have just as a side note, just really cool. Uh, Raven, uh, Schiller is, is Jeff's sister and she works on the, like the companion work and has this thing called the Thez report. Thez is the world that we're in. And the Thez report is this almost feels like a detective's uh, dossier of all the characters that are in the story. Uh, what I really like about this idea of this like side companion piece, you know, when we used to buy video games and it came with a little booklet inside and while you're driving home and your mom's driving, you're in the back opening things up very gingerly and you're reading through the book, you're pouring through it. That's what this little dossier is. And it's really neat. And uh, I just enjoy checking it out again. Amazing artwork. So 
please go check this out, guys. Uh, it's called Magic Powder. Number one is out now. I think it's like three bucks. What a deal. You could grab it real quick. Um, and then we have number two is is in, you know, it's it's funding now. So you guys can get a part of this. And I want to thank Jeff uh, Schiller a lot, the writer again, uh, for letting me read the first copy, read the first book and just really love this world he's building and can see the possibilities, the future. I mean, watching, I won't say anything. There's just some really cool stuff. Some action scenes that are like, oh, damn, that is, I'm telling you guys, Breaking Bad, but with elves. <laughs> All right, that's it for this episode, guys. Thank you very much for joining us for our Batman review and for us discussing Magic Powder. We have a ton coming from Geek Freaks this week. We got a new Pushing Buttons, new Trek Freaks. Uh, we don't have a sloop this week. It's coming out next week. Remember, that's the Patreon-only show. Uh, we're doing Coen Brothers for a month. That'll be really good. We have so much coming your way, guys. And I'm editing four episodes of a brand new series. We're streaming the first edit uh, sometime this week. So if you guys want to watch us stream and edit, we've been doing that recently. A lot of people have been enjoying that. We'll be doing that again for our brand new show. New host, everything. I can't wait to share it with you guys. We have another show on the horizon. Ugh. This network is getting so big that it's a damn near full-time job for me. So I'm really excited for that. But um, hopefully you guys can join in on the fun and check out that stream Wednesdays and Fridays. Take it easy, guys and have an excellent week.